Hey, Billy. Hey, Waldron. Do you guess it's podcast time? Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling more confident. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Round three. Well, I feel like we're into the big time now because when it was Galactic, you know, nobody had heard of Galactic. Well, and when it's Steely Dan, um, nobody cared. <laughs> that was kind of the point. And now it's Jimi Hendrix and people feel pretty strongly about Hendrix. That's how, do you feel strongly about Hendrix? I feel probably less strongly about Jimi Hendrix than you feel. That's interesting to me because like, I would have predicted that you would be a sort of big Hendrix fan, but it seems like maybe you're a little ambivalent. Um, it's funny. I just... I like Jimi Hendrix. I used to listen to Jimi Hendrix more. I had Jimi Hendrix CDs when I was a kid. But to be honest, like I never, I never in the past 20 years have been like, I'm going to listen to Jimi Hendrix today. Okay. So what does that tell you? I mean, how often do you listen to Jimi Hendrix nowadays? I would say it's pretty rare actually, you know, and, and I think I know why, um, you know, to me, Hendrix is like the consummate instrumentalist, mm -hmm. a sort of natural genius talent. Mm -hmm. And my, um, you know, interests in music tend towards more of the composition. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one thing I've noticed about Hendrix as I was looking at all of the prepping for this was these songs are not, they're pretty simple. Like it's a blues or a blues like chord pattern. Lyrics are, you know, butterflies and moonbeams and mm -hmm. rainbows. <laughs> and, you know, when he shines, it's, it's really because he's just going off playing that guitar. And my sort of cosmology about the way you receive music would lead me to believe that you would favor this kind of a, an approach. Somebody who yeah. could just pick up a guitar and go nuts. As I've gone digging a little bit, sifting through Jimi Hendrix songs, I'm, I'm sort of, I got it. I guess I kind of got bored by some of the studio albums. And then I started hearing some of the live things and I was like, oh, this is actually more interesting in a totally different way. Like the, mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like the, the things that occurred to me thinking about Jimi Hendrix were like, okay, blues, psychedelic blues. Yeah. And I think it, you'll know more about this than I will, but in terms of guitar and electric guitar, a lot of innovation with effects, right? Like that was new when he was doing it. Yeah. I, th I think, but it's kind of like take the, you know, like the bluesman from the stacks and before era and apply psychedelia and effects. And you have Jimi Hendrix. Is that, <laughs> is that, is that true? <laughs> it's like, do you I say that's not, I mean, I, I don't know if that's far off. Uh -huh. I think it's totally fair. Yeah. You know, last week you had a tough, a tough time coming up with a playlist for Galactic, a top three for Galactic. And I think maybe you had the same problem this week, but for totally different reasons. You know, with Galactic, it was going to be like, you know, I've got I mean, 12. I guess we ended at 14 things that need to be in your top five right. songs. And I wonder if you had <laughs> you know, enough material that you really felt passionately about I, to put together a top five. Or yeah, three. I did. I did. I have, you know, the list of songs that I really liked. And... uh I feel like the difference between those two weeks 
Galactic's been performing together, continues to perform together and come up with new music. They've just had a longer time to be yeah. professional musicians, right? Jimi Hendrix died really young. And I th- what's kind of weird is I think he was born around the same time as my parents. So like I should think of him <laughs> as like one of my parents' age. We don't think of him that way because he died young. So he's like perennially, yeah. you know, in youth. <laughs> There's a lot of speculation people love to do it about what might have happened to him mm. had he survived. And I think that had he survived, he would have died again, you know, like just later. <laughs> right. Well, you know, I mean, he lived pretty hard. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So what do you, here's my question for you. What do you think it means? What is the experience to be experienced? <laughs> <laughs> Are you experienced? Is it sex? Is it dropping acid? Is it something else altogether? Is it both? Is it neither? Uh. (laughs) You know, I think you're closer to having an answer than I am because I think if there is an answer, I think it might be a dropping acid. Like when I analyzed, you know, I did think about like, what does it mean? You know, <laughs> not necessarily stoned, but beautiful, you know, like right. it's all. <laughs> what does that and mean? And I think, have you ever been experienced? It's a pretty, for like coming up with stuff that sounds pretty cool, but maybe means nothing. He could rival like Jim Morrison. I think that's kind of like a known thing that like anytime anyone tries to like write down whatever their transcendental hallucinogenic experience was, it ends up sounding like really corny to everybody who's not also, it's, it's a mind exploding thing for people experiencing it, but it's just, it's hard to uh, describe in a way that will get someone else wherever you were by words. Right. It's hard to do with words. And I think maybe it's easier to do with music. And maybe that's why Hendrix Mm -hmm. was so successful and connected Mm -hmm. with so many people. Cause Mm -hmm. like if there's a, you know, if there's a guitar acid trip, mm-hmm. maybe a Hendrix solo comes pretty close to that. Maybe, yeah. So play some music. Let's hear some tunes. Or do you want me to play some music? Well, you're going to play music first. But oh, do- but before you do that, yeah, I have some predictions. Ooh, you're going to predict my calls? Yes, I'm going to predict I love- your calls. I love it. But I'm not going to just tell you what they are. Okay. I'm going to send an email right now to theirverybest at gmail.com <laughs> from my personal email. Don't look. If, got, if you're logged in, you can't look. I won't look. All right. I love it. All right. So those are, I, I love those it. Those are in the books. I just sent them. This is like a Johnny Carson <laughs> magic trick bit. I love it. <laughs> nice. All right. So I want you to go first. I can, if you want. Okay. I can, I can, if you want, but. I would be super interested to hear your first pick. Okay. My first pick is Purple Haze off the album, Are You Experienced? (laughs) All right. I mean, a lot of people would go there. (laughs) So one of the things I liked about it was distorted guitars and then the drums. is the quarter note stomp and it's it's just such a classic drum part well one thing about hendrix is he's the only guitarist i know that has his own chord 
<laughs> really? <laughs> that chord he's playing right there. That's a dominant seven sharp nine chord. Guitarists call that the Hendrix chord. Is it hard to play? It's easy to play and it sounds great if you play it in E, huh. as he is right there. Dominant, say it again, dominant seventh. It's a dominant seven sharp nine. Wow. And it is easy to play. Um, and it's fun to play too because it just sounds so Hendrixy. It needs distortion, I think. Uh huh. But, you know, no problem for Jimmy. And in that, in that guitar tone that we were just hearing, was that just like, I think it, Stratocaster I, with distortion or is, is there more to it? I think there has to be some kind of additional thing. If he's getting like all of that distortion, just straight out of like a Marshall stack turned up to 11, then I'll be surprised. A, a real aficionado will know the answer to that. But like he was into, as you said, he was into a lot of effects and yeah, you know, a fuzz tone of like you, you could hear the Wawa yeah. in, in there. Like one thing that he does a lot with his Wawa is that he uses it on the beat to emphasize the B of the song, as opposed mm -hmm. to using it like as he plucks individual notes to emphasize what's happening in the phrase that he's playing. Interesting. So it's almost like he's tapping his foot on the wah-wah pedal and that puts another pulse into the guitar part. That's cool. There are other songs he does that with. So I guess I just gave my third best song then when I said the th my third best pick yeah. was Purple Haze. Okay. And, and again, Harley... This is a very limited reasoning, but the, one of the reasons I liked it was just because I recognized the drum part from drum school. You know? <laughs> I'm like, great. Da, da. You'll hear it all over the place. That ba, 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 um, ba, um, ba. Anyway. Well, we can talk about Mitch Mitchell a little bit because if we talk about the court of public opinion, I've done some more extensive than usual research. Oh, great. Because you know, there's, more, there's more to talk about. But yeah. So... You're, so far, you're tracking with Rolling Stone. I don't know if you looked it up. I didn't. But Purple Haze is Rolling Stones, and they've, and they've got in their top 500 songs, Purple Haze is number 250, mm. right down the middle. Wow. Okay. And it's the third. There are two that Rolling Stone thinks are higher than this. Oh, that's I'm cool. That's awesome. Yeah. All right. So, so far, you're tracking <laughs> with Rolling Stone. For guitarists, Jimi Hendrix ranks of the Rolling Stone top... I think it was 100 guitarists, Jimi Hendrix, solidly number one. Really? Yes. Wow. Mitch Mitchell, number eight. What? <laughs> really? No, number eight of drummers. Wow. When, yeah. when did this come out? This A couple of years ago. Huh. It's funny. Poor Noel Redding, who just wanted to have a career and wanted to be an artist, hooked up with these two. Didn't he like leave the studio? In the Electric Ladyland album, in a huff, he was upset. I mean, I, I think that's one of the things I read online. Is he didn't like. He was tired of the party. I think a lot of people might have, a lot of people might have walked out on Jimmy, especially when they realized that he was going to be number one on the Rolling Stone top one hundred <laughs> instrumentalists of all time, and Mitch Mitchell, number eight. All right. So, what's your take on the third best song, Waldron? When we decided that we were going to do Hendrix. I thought it was going to be really easy because I, I thought I already knew what the very best album and the very best song was going to be. Mm -hmm. What I thought was, I would have said was the very, very best song is actually my number three song. Hmm. Um, and we'll play it a little bit. And then I think it will lead us into when Hendrix is at his worst pretty naturally. Oh, great. Okay. So the number three song is If Six Was Nine. 
I like the bass part too. Very stripped down. Oh, we forgot the words power trio. You can't talk about this band without saying power trio, right? Really a power trio. Like I'd like to hear you talk about Mitch Mitchell if you if you have thoughts about him because People who know what they're talking about say Mitch Mitchell sort of was a jazz drummer and mm-hmm. got repurposed for, for this. Mm-hmm. I noticed a lot of um, 16th triplet fills all over the kit, like a lot of, which sounded to me like Keith Moon. But that was my observation, was like a very Philly drummer. Lots of, you know, like a lot of notes. And it's, and keeping good time and sounds good. I think the the quality of the drum recording is pretty bad right. for most of these albums. Um, like the drums don't sound great, or at least I don't think the tone of the drums I don't particularly think sounds great. I just don't think it might have just been the best they could do at the time. Wow. I don't, I don't what know. year was this? 67, 68? I Late sixties. Yeah. Um, you know, the, I, when I think about like what the state of the art was for recording in the late sixties, I think of Sergeant Pepper's and right. You know. And when I think about Sgt. Pepper's and versus Hendrix, I think, you know, what would have happened with Hendrix if he had had a George Martin to sort of yeah. uh, corral his creative efforts. But then right. like this was going to be like a big, big idea for, for me to share with you until I realized that George Martin would never have bothered with Hendrix because hmm. it's not about the songwriting. It's not about the arranging. It's just about the performance. And he wasn't going to be a polite uh, boy from Liverpool who did what, what he was what told, he was, told. He was just going to be Hendrix. Right, you know? right. The song leads us into, after all this really powerful like guitar stuff, Okay. at the end of it, it is also a great example of when he's at his very worst. And I'd say that's when he's like doing spacey psychedelic antics, maybe on the mixing board or some like some mm-hmm. tripping engineers like mm-hmm. going ham on the pans. There are a lot, there's a lot of pan action on some yeah. <laughs> tape speed stuff, yep. backward guitar without like... Yeah, like a backward guitar. Like when when <laughs> when when there's a backward guitar solo with Jimi Hendrix, you know that they just recorded it straight, and they're like, "Oh, let's put it backwards." You know, if it were Steely Dan, they would have planned the melodic phrase and learned to play it backward, and then right. that would have been the thing, right? Right, right, right. Um, and then like when you're doing like all this outer space talk, like uh, alien talk, exp the, or exp or whatever exp, it is. Yeah. On the, could you give us your regarded opinion on this nonsense about spaceships and even space people? Jimmy was really in his science fiction. It's one of the <laughs> things I read on Wikipedia this week. And also at his very worst, and you know, I feel like maybe your ambivalence towards Hendrix, if we can call it that, is going to save you from like the wrath of anybody who sh- who may end up hearing this. But um, and we welcome we welcome your feedback, listeners. Well. <laughs> Maybe about most things, per- perhaps not about what I'm about to say. Okay, here we go. Um, Bring it. Let's talk about Woodstock. Yeah. The national anthem. I, I mean, like, this is clearly like somebody who is tripping out 
going nuts on their instrument, just playing, playing some stuff. Maybe there's something more to it that I can't hear. Like as with a lot of jazz, you know, I know there's a lot going on that I'm just not able to hear. And if I, but I, I just feel like it's like picture the moment in time, right? Vietnam War, right? Full swing. Okay. Thousands of people coming home in boxes. Yeah. And this is the generation of people who does not, you know, this is like the the antithesis reaction to it, right? So it's to me like playing the national anthem on the electric guitar with tons of distortion. It's like a reclaiming. You know what I mean? It's like a there's an element of transgressiveness like hey, this is still our country. Yeah, I love it. You know what I mean? Even if even if we don't think we should go and die in Vietnam. It's kind of like what's going on now, you know, you can't have the flag on the other side totally. you know, of the political yeah. discourse. It doesn't belong to you. And the national anthem doesn't belong to you either. Right. You know, I might not love it as a guitar solo, but that doesn't keep me from loving it as a piece of culture, you know, as mm-hmm. a, a yeah. and, and I will confess that I myself learned to play uh, the national anthem <laughs> a note in for a note. style. That's cool. <laughs> Maybe not note for note in this case, especially yeah. like when he started going off, but I, w- I didn't go that far. I I didn't burn my guitar. Did you hump your guitar? <laughs> no, but... These are all things Jimi Hendrix did. What's interesting is that like, when we talk about what's, what's his very worst, it, it, it includes some of my favorite stuff. Like, yes, he's at his very worst in the end of If Six Was Nine, but then that's one of my favorite songs. And yes, maybe that guitar solo is... Mm-hmm. You asked me before, like, when is the last time I just decided to play Hendrix? I don't know, but I'll bet it was queuing up the national anthem on hmm. YouTube to show one of my kids. So that's cool. You know, it is your turn to give us the second best. All right. So my next pick is little wing and I'm so, I'm still looking forward to seeing your email to seeing if this is going to be on your email, but the little wing I'd like you to play is the one from live at the Royal Albert live at the Royal Albert Hall, London, UK, February 24th, 1969. You know, I listened, first I listened to the studio one and then I went and, and the studio one's on Axis Bold as Love. Um, but Spotify at one point served me up this live one. I liked it because it's a little bit longer and it's kind of a short song and it's a beautiful guitar line. I first, I first heard Stevie Ray Vaughan's cover of it again through my brother. Um, but it's a beautiful song. It's iconic and I don't know. I like it. That's it. That's why it's my number two song. I think you, I think you did choose maybe the most iconic Hendrix song, although I don't know if it would be, if not for the Stevie Ray Vaughan version of it, Mm -hmm. which to me was the version of this song for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. The um, court of public opinion doesn't um, stand up to this because the Hendrix version of the song, I think it's got like five times as many plays as the Stevie Ray Vaughan version, but- Interesting. Yeah. I, I, I expected it to be the other way around. I expected that SRV would have more plays Mm -hmm. than Hendrix. We were talking about blues and 
you know, how a lot of Hendrix songs feel like they could have been a blues song that was from one of those old bluesmen that he just sort of picked up and covered. Yeah. One of those is my second favorite. Oh, let's hear it. What's your favorite song, Waldron? It's The Wind Cries Mary. You can hear happiness staggering on down the street. Footprints dressed in red. I don't know if I have too much more to say about this song other than just the fact that it's really a very tastefully delivered song. And that's, you know, in contrast to his usual like, guitar acrobatics in the studio psychedelic mm-hmm. shenanigans. <laughs> I mean, it totally could be a, a cover, right? Mm-hmm. I'm listening to the drum part. It's straight. I don't think it's swung at all, but there are all these like rudiments and flams and <laughs> roughs in the snare that feel like classically trained jazz drummer. They're playing it very straightforward. Everyone is. Very simple. It's a very tasteful song. There's restraint. So there are many great Jimi Hendrix songs. Do you want to hear my what I think the best one is? It's time. It's time for you to also declare your favorite or the best Jimi Hendrix album. Ah... Uh... Well, okay, you don't have to. I okay. I'll 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 say Electric Ladyland is the best Jimi Hendrix album, and the song I'm picking is Voodoo Child Slight Return. Although we should also talk about Voodoo Child, not the Slight Return one. Okay, let's have a little bit of this uh, Slight Return version. It's a badass song. It's a banger. Yeah. (laughs) He's chopping down a lot of mountains with his... With the edge of his hand. Yeah. Yeah. Well, to me, that that connects to some of the blues songs. I mean, like some of the blues tradition of like the braggadocio stuff. Right. Like Born Under a Bad Sign kind of stuff or like I'm a Buzzsaw. There, I, there are all these other songs, but. Well, and that, you know, carries forward into hip hop a lot, you know. Totally. Like, yeah, absolutely. Should we listen to Voodoo Child for a comparison? Or Yeah, to me, they sound like very different songs. Well. I think they are totally different songs. And one is Voodoo Child and one is Voodoo Child with a D, Slight Return. I think they're just completely different songs. I I think there's a part of the 15 minute long Voodoo Child that sounds like Voodoo Child, Slight Return. Like, Like some of the lines are in common to both. But I won't be able to tell you where it happens. Let's listen and see if we can pick it up. Oh, 
and Steve Winwood's on the organ on the Voodoo Child. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I did not know that. From Traffic. Well, that's weird. Yeah. Lord, I swear the moon fire well, we're gonna we're gonna return to Traffic. Yeah. In a little bit here. Oh my God! Tell me when to start studying because I have some homework. No, to do. I mean we're going to talk about traffic before we're done talking about Hendrix. Oh, well, hey, a little foreshadowing then. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see if you pick up what the clue is because I've only got one more song in my top three. You know, Bill, as usual, you're coming in hot with picks that make <laughs> me feel like I should have given everything a little more oh, consideration. I can't wait to hear what your favorite is what your number one is. I can't wait to hear it. Let's do it. Before we do that, let's talk about my predictions a little bit. Oh, yeah. Should we, or we're going to open the envelope? So should I read the email? Should I go and look at the email? <laughs> yeah, you can look at the email. All right. I'm logging in. You're logging in. Okay. I see your email. Waldron's predictions. Wow. Manic depression. Mm -hmm. All along the watchtower and fire. Well, Waldron, my friend, strike three, you're out. <laughs> what? Why did you think I would pick those songs? Because you're the drummer, dude. Uh-huh. And Manic Depression and Fire both have amazing, amazing drums on them. Manic Depression, it's just essentially like, uh, maybe this is why you didn't pick it, because it's like not a drum pattern. It's like uh, an end endless repeating fill. Right. Well, I, I, I mean, for me, I feel like when we're doing Jimi Hendrix, you got to, you're doing Jimi Hendrix. We're, we're doing Jimi Hendrix and not Mitch Mitchell. This is the Mitch Mitchell episode. He's only number eight, right? Well, and I, I worried when I made my predictions that maybe you would be like not so distracted by the drummer also, because it's Jimi Hendrix. Also, so. All Along the Watchtower is a cover. Well, we'll talk about All Along the Watchtower in just a second. Hold on a second. Okay. Well, here's some Manic Depression, okay? Yep. into some crazy drum fill that goes on and on. Again, sort of, uh, what's his name? Keith Moon. Yeah, sort of Keith Moonish. Because Keith Moon was just filling the whole time, right? Well, when you said Keith Moon, I wondered, okay, so Mitch Mitchell was a jazz drummer who they co-opted into this Hendrix band. I wonder if he was like looking around, just like, okay, I'm gonna play rock. What do I do? And you know, his example of that might have been Keith Moon. Maybe, right? And then there's Fire, which also has some great drums, great drum fills, and we'll play just a, a minute of it. Let's love it! I love it. It sounds. His, actually, I like the sound of his drums. There, it sounds like he's playing a metal snare drum to me. I like that. Bill, you mentioned All Along the Watchtower. Yeah. That is, in fact, his best song. Amazing. That is Jimi Hendrix's very best. Wow. Okay. Are we allowed to pick a non-original as a very best? We are. Am I wrong? That's not, that's not a song he wrote. Correct. Right? That's a Bob Dylan song, It's a Bob right? Dylan song. And the fact that it's a Bob Dylan song is part of the reason why it's his very best. Hmm. Right. I don't know if that first part there, if you could call it a guitar solo, but if, if you can call it a guitar solo, 
then this song has three guitar solos. Okay. It's at least it's a perfect. lead part. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the guitar solos are what make this thing. And that's what Hendrix is all about. For sure. He, you know, it doesn't have to be a great song because, you know, I'm not sure he wrote any like great songs and, and maybe I'll amend that and just say that like, that's not what he's best known for. Like I think Wind Cries Mary and, and you mentioned Little Wing before, like those are awesome songs. I love those. But the song is not what it's about. It's about the performance. Mm-hmm. You know, remember those... Um, so much emotion, so much emotion. On, um, it's a very emotional performance. Did you hear that when he slid up into... Yeah. Okay. Like, we, we talked before about, like, remember in Steely Dan, how I was afraid of the, uh, like, the major thirds. It might actually have been minor third uh, bends that scared me away. Like, that is a, that is not a band. It's a glissando. But where he's sl- he's sliding up the neck. Yeah. And, yeah. and it, what makes that thing amazing is how it makes it sound like a bend because he does it so quickly that you don't hear the frets, uh, you know, like you don't hear each of the notes in the frets, which means he's doing it really quickly and he's going up. That's a major sixth. And like to do it that quickly, you have to really land on the right note. Like that's actually <laughs> hard to do. You know, that's super hard to do. Um so a major six is how many frets? I mean, is that like the whole neck? It's, uh, if I'm, I think it's nine. It's like two. It's like two thirds of the way up the neck. And like, it's not just the solos. Like the guitar fills and embellishments, a little bit of you know hammering, and mm-hmm. um, there there are so many ways. And maybe now is the time to talk about Bob Dylan. Okay, mm-hmm. I didn't know that this was a Bob Dylan song for for a long time because you know mm-hmm. I discovered Hendrix early on. We talked about when I was 13 or 14, mm-hmm. discovered mm-hmm. this thing and I got smash hits and that's where I stayed for a long time. Mm-hmm. I've never been a Dylan guy. So, uh, you know, first I'm going to piss everybody off by even just trying to say anything about Hendrix, but I'm really putting my head on the chopping block by saying I'm not <laughs> a Dylan Somewhere out guy. there, there are people who are like, me too. Finally, <laughs> finally we found our home. <laughs> right. Well, the number of ways in which this version of All on the Watchtower is superior to the Bob Dylan version cannot count them. Yeah. Like it is Well do you know what Bob Dylan did you read about what Bob Dylan's thoughts were of the cover? Tell me. So I'm reading this off of the internet from Rollingstone.com. But the first time that Bob Dylan heard Jimi Hendrix's rendition of All Along the Watchtower, he was blown away. It overwhelmed me really, he said in nineteen ninety five. He had such talent. He could find things inside a song and vigorously develop them. He found things that other people wouldn't think of finding in there. So that's that's a nice tribute. It is a nice tribute. And I think that, you know, it's to his credit to realize that like Hendrix took the song and actually made it into just another a, piece of art, an iconic piece of music. Cause if you listen to the Dylan version, which I'm prepared to do right now, we don't do need to hear so, a little, <laughs> uh, you could just play it just so you get the feel for it just for a second. Well, just I'm going to turn down the audio because otherwise the terrible, harsh harmonica sound is going to get in your ear and there must be some way out of here. <laughs> you don't like that. You don't like the harmonica much, huh? Well, <laughs> I was thinking about it. Like we were talking about Galactic and how who plays the harp in Galactic? Ben Elman. So like that's harp. This is harmonica. Right. Right. It's a totally different thing. Yeah. And if you listen to this song, it's it's not even like the chord progression is there. Although Hendrix also improved on the chord progression. Huh. Um, it's just a bunch of lyrics. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, it's not just a bunch of lyrics. I mean, they're incredible lyrics. Are they? You gotta, aren't they? I don't know, man. I mean, I'm not sure what he's saying. I, Mary and I were talking about this. Maybe that should lead us into the court, the family oh court God. of public opinion. But <laughs> like, we don't know what the hell this song is about. Like, do you know? What is this about? Oh, no. I, don't, I, I need Martha's help. Martha's the poet here, you know? <laughs> Check this out. So you can hear those three chords taking it back to traffic. Do you hear that guitar? The acoustic guitar. That's Dave Mason hmm. from Traffic. Oh, no kidding. On the acoustic guitar, 12 string. And, hmm. and he's playing so hard. You can tell that it's all like really hard downstrokes. He's like a little behind the beat. Mm-hmm. Listen. He's way behind the beat, really. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and, and you can tell like there's some strong emotion coming in from like all the performers in this thing, especially Jimmy. Mm-hmm. So I think that's his very best. Uh, even though it is a cover, even though, I mean, let's say this, and it takes us back into code of public opinion, Spotify, 500 million plays of this song. Whoa. Bob Dylan, 25 <laughs> million, 20 times wow. more plays. Wow. Version. It, the difference between 25 million and half a billion. That's a lot of, <laughs> that's a lot of plays. Holy smokes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. It is decided for Jimi Hendrix. Yep. Proclamation's best album. And I'm not sure I said this. Are you experienced? Mm-hmm. And the best song and um, the public agrees is all along the watchtower. So get in touch with us, everybody. We have many digital ways and properties to get in touch with us. We're on Twitter at their very best. We're on Instagram at their very best. We have a Facebook page you can like called Their Very Best. You can email us at theirverybest at gmail.com. And we have a website, which is theirverybest.com. Right. Uh, oh. Yeah. Leaving reviews. Everybody, wherever you found this, five stars only. I don't care. Low five, high five. No, and it, it's got to be five stars. And, we, and if you have constructive criticism, please contact us with that, but leave the reviews in the very high five stars. Thank you. Uh, it, it, how do you feel, Bill, if it's a five-star <laughs> review, but they just, just really just savagely roast us the whole in the actual body of the review? I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. It makes five me stars. a little bit, it makes me a little bit sad, but I'm okay with that too. <laughs> uh, we're going to do more of these episodes, so watch out. We'll be offering more unsolicited, likely incorrect opinions in the near future. I'm Bill. I'm Waldron. Thanks for listening to Their Very Best.